Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm producer Maritza Dominguez, filling in for Kayla White while she enjoys some time off. In today's episode, we're going to Sky Harbor International Airport, at least virtually. We've gotten a variety of questions from our listeners about Sky Harbor. So travel reporter Melissa Yeager partnered with me to answer them. We're answering questions about the safety of flying amid a global pandemic and why Sky Harbor doesn't have more international flights. Before we explore those topics, let's start with this question from Valley 101 listener Gregory Yost. So this year, J.D. Power had Sky Harbor ranked as number one, and I've seen them consistently ranked high in customer satisfaction. What is it that makes Sky Harbor such a good airport and why? Melissa, take it away. J.D. Power is a marketing research company. You might be familiar with its name because car commercials are always citing J.D. Power ratings for their newest model but they also rank airport satisfaction. To learn how Sky Harbor got to the top of J.D. Power's list, I went straight to the source. My name is Michael Taylor. I'm the practice lead for travel at J.D. Power. Michael analyzes traveler satisfaction and provides improvement recommendations for clients. He's very familiar with the airport satisfaction study. Well, what it is, it's a study we've been doing for about 20 years. It's a benchmark study of airports and basically looking at the satisfaction that people find when they experience an airport, everything from when they actually you know, leave their house on their way to the airport. The company compiles a list of about 200 questions, ranging from parking to restaurants to cleanliness in order to gauge how the customer feels about their experience at an airport. Not every person answers all the questions, but it gives an insight to how a majority of people rate their satisfaction. This year was the first year Sky Harbor topped the list for customer satisfaction in the mega airports list. And that's uh, an airport that does more than 35 million passengers per year as measured by um, basically an organization called Airports Council International. Here's where Sky Harbor excelled on this list and what brought them to the top. You know, it's an easy airport to get into, uh, easy airport to park. Um, the TSA experience goes fairly smoothly. The bathrooms are clean. That's one of the, one of the key items uh, in the uh, study itself. One of the key measures is how do people feel about the cleanliness, especially these days in the COVID environment. Michael has also noticed that travelers are looking for a unique experience out of an airport. He said many times it's the first and last thing someone experiences in a city. So the amenities inside of an airport, like restaurants, can give a traveler a positive experience. And then the, you know, our data shows there's a high core positive correlation between spending money in the airport and your satisfaction with it. This goes up positively. The more money you're spending, the more happy you are with the airport. He said their data showed as people wait for their flight to board, they seek out local restaurants or shops selling trinkets that correlate with their location of their visit. Yeah, but there are many, many shops that are selling things that are specific to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and that, you know, the great Southwest. And that's what people want. 
they don't want to have that generic experience anymore, especially millennials. Since this is the first time Phoenix has topped the JD Power list, I asked what Sky Harbor has to do to stay at the top. Here's what Michael had to say. Accessing the airport and getting around the airports uh, efficiently is probably the area that we would say, based on the numbers that we collect, is probably something that PHX needs to, uh, to focus on in order to maintain that number one ranking. That'd probably be the biggest area of opportunity for them. He also mentioned that Sky Harbor needs to maintain their successes. So there you have it. Sky Harbor ranked number one in customer satisfaction in part because of their cleanliness, TSA efficiency, and for the airport's unique sense of place. Now on to the second question the Valley 101 team received from a listener. Why doesn't Sky Harbor have more transatlantic flights? I spoke with American Airlines' Brian Zanotins to dive into this question. I am Vice President of Network Strategy here at American, and I am responsible for where we fly, how often, and with what airplane is the simplest way to put it. American Airlines, which again Brian works for, is the largest international carrier and the largest carrier out of Sky Harbor. That means they're best positioned to add transatlantic and transpacific flights out of the airport. In fact, back in March 2019, American Airlines began offering daily nonstop flights from Sky Harbor to London's Heathrow Airport. It was a joint partnership with British Airways, a UK-based airline that already served that route. And so given that BA was performing well and we share our results with each other because of our partnership, um, it made sense for American to add a flight. Um, at a different time of day so that we can offer different connections in London, but it's added capacity to the gateway um, in Europe. Brian and his team saw the flights in 2019 to London as a success. They were able to fill the planes with passengers. They had even seen enough demand to expand the route to year-round flights. The added London flight to Sky Harbor was a sign of growth for international flights out of Phoenix. I asked Brian what it would take for Phoenix to have more transatlantic flights coming in and out of Sky Harbor International Airport and why it doesn't have many now. The first is just how many people in that particular city fly to and from Europe or the European city that we're flying to. And then the second is how many people can we connect in that American point from other destinations um, in order to help fill the airplanes. He said it boiled down to geography. Most transatlantic flights leave from eastern points because there's higher demand from there to European destinations, and it is easier to move connecting passengers from west to east. That makes it harder to fill a plane with passengers going to Europe out of Phoenix because you're flying people west only to travel east again. Brian said they can fill about half, so it's more cost-effective to connect to different airports. But hope isn't lost for other international flights over the ocean. I often get the question about the future of Asia-bound flights, in particular, the future of a non-stop flight to Tokyo. I asked Brian if he sees this happening in the near future. And so it's you know, still a number of years away, um, but we do think we're best positioned to do that. He said that data shows about 50 passengers a day would go from Phoenix to Tokyo and vice versa. They would need more to make that a profitable route. 
So there's still a little bit of passenger growth that needs to develop between the two. We need to see some um, business growth, most importantly, um, for the, the folks who fly in the, in the front cabin on business and in a flatbed seat and are paying a premium to do that. That's very important to us to make one of these flights work. So Sky Harbor needs to see more demand for these international flights to European and Asian destinations. And there were signs of that before COVID-19 hit the industry. Brian and his team were looking at the numbers and projections. But what the crisis has done is really rewound history or rewound time so that demand has now shrunk and we're not right now, but we're forecasting for 2021 that transatlantic demand will probably be have rewound to 2016 or 2015 levels. They'll have to wait and see if they get the demand for nonstop services out of Phoenix. While the airline industry has been hit hard, the holiday season is approaching and an increase of travelers is anticipated. I asked Brian how American Airlines is preparing for this. And, uh, and so we're building our schedules so that we have as much capacity as we can offer um, as an airline that we have airplanes operating in those particular periods. And uh, we're actually very optimistic um, for, for strong revenue and results then. I also wanted to get some insight from public health experts on their tips for folks traveling during the holidays. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention still advises the best way to prevent the spread of COVID-19 is to stay home. And the CDC is also advising people not to travel for Thanksgiving. However, some will still need to travel. So to best prepare you on what to expect while traveling, I spoke with Casey Ernst. She's a professor at the University of Arizona in the College of Public Health. She's also an infectious disease epidemiologist. She, along with her colleagues, have closely studied the transmission of the virus. Just travel in general is not a good idea while we have this increasing level of transmission that's occurring in, in, in general. If you are planning to travel, Airlines have stepped up their cleaning strategies for planes in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Studies have shown that those methods are effective in eliminating the virus, not just in the cabin, but also in the flight deck and cargo compartments. Other studies have shown that the filtration systems on planes also do a good job removing the virus. Um, there was a, a nice Department of Defense study that was done that showed that, I mean, they used mannequins, so it's a little different than real people who are moving around and have variable compliance with masking, et cetera. Um, but they showed that the way the air moves on a plane, it really does provide good, good ventilation. Planes are disinfected using electrostatic sprayers, chemical disinfectants, and ultraviolet wands. Casey did suggest to avoid using the airplane bathroom because it is a small, tight space. And so if you entered a laboratory immediately after somebody who was infected, um, I, would, I would think that could be a bit of a higher risk um, uh, issue. So we recommend that, you know, people, as much as you can, you know, um, try not to use the, the, air, the airline bathroom. Casey was recently faced with the decision of having to fly her daughter back home to Tucson after staying with her grandparents. She prepared her daughter to fly by giving her advice that included signing up for early boarding so she could get a window seat, wiping down the armrests, and keeping her mask on at all times as advised by airline guidelines. 
She also told her this. You know, I told her, I said, look, honey, if you have anybody who is, you know, not wearing their mask or is, you know, being um, otherwise challenging to public health guidelines, you need to contact the flight attendant immediately and get reseated. Don't confront them directly because those direct confrontations can lead to exchange of respiratory particles when people get in heated discussions. Just try to get reseated, try to get removed. Her daughter didn't have to face a situation like that, but it is a piece of advice Casey recommends to other people as well. She also recommends traveling with a comfortable and good quality mask. Um, you can also really follow the CDC guidelines on the, the triple cloth masks, which I think are you know two, two cotton layers and one polypropylene layer. Um, and you want it to be comfortable. You want it to be comfortable because if it's not, you are going to be tempted to try and lift it up a little bit to breathe or shift it around on your face or something like that. So, so comfort is, is important, especially if you're going to be traveling and, and, and using it for a long duration. And while you're waiting to board or pick up your baggage, she suggests to keep distance from crowds when you can. One final tip she gave us was to limit the amount of flights you take in one trip. So I think, you know, if you are not living in a, in a travel hub um, and there is a, a direct flight that could take you to your destination, maybe an, an hour or two's drive away, that's actually going to probably reduce your, your exposures because you're going to be on one plane, you're going to be in one airport, uh, well, two, I guess, on your destination as well. This is what Casey did when her daughter came home. Casey lives in Tucson, but instead of having a connecting flight from Phoenix to Tucson, she made the two-hour trip to pick her daughter up. That last tip is not something everyone can do, but one to keep in mind as you plan your trips during the holiday season. Casey is hopeful a rollout of COVID-19 vaccines in the next year can get us all back to traveling and back to the people we love. The thought that they could start rolling out to the general population in, in six, six months or so, it just makes me say, okay, folks, if you have to stay home, it's one holiday season you have to stay home. Think about the fact that you staying home could potentially reduce transmission and it would allow some family to celebrate next year with their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, their brothers, their sisters, because they didn't contract COVID. Casey here is speaking from the perspective that traveling is going to increase social gathering, which will increase the possibility of spread of the virus. In an email after our conversation, she mentioned that if you're going to stay in your own pod and not engage in social activities, it does reduce some concerns. She also said that quarantining before you leave and after you arrive at your destination will help reduce the chances of infection and transmission as well. If everything keeps moving forward in that kind of positive direction, I feel like the best advice I can give is, is hunker down for now. It, it looks like it's gonna get better and um, it will help everybody be able to have more happy holidays if we if we can just not travel this year but wait until next year that's my overall advice
Hey listeners, it's Maritza again. Melissa, thanks so much for partnering with me on this episode. You've recently been to Sky Harbor. What's the airport looking like right now? And have you seen any new features that travelers should be aware of? So I think that everyone expects that the airport is a ghost town. They've heard that travel is reduced and that airlines aren't running at capacity. And while that was true at the beginning of the crisis, it's not necessarily true right now. The crowds aren't as big as normal, but you will encounter crowds, especially here in Phoenix, which is a desirable destination for people to come right now because of our weather. On your return trip back home to Phoenix, you will see increased messaging on COVID-19 and the importance of mask wearing. Governor Doug Ducey announced on November 18th that the Department of Health Services will start working with Arizona's airports to offer on-site rapid COVID-19 testing. So you might want to also check with your health insurance provider to see if they cover that testing and also with your health savings account or flexible savings account to see if you could use that to pay for the cost of the test. Make sure to follow along with Melissa's reporting on everything travel related. If listeners want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? So my Twitter handle is Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, Yeager, Y-E-A-G-R. If you have more questions about how Metro Phoenix is changing, submit them to us at valley101.azcentral.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll be back next week with a new episode.